Mac Power Users, episode 217, iOS Automation with Federico Vitici. Did I get that right, Federico? Yes, perfect. I tried. And you seem to enjoy that. I do. Yeah. We love having you on the show, hey, Federico. Is this your second, your third, your third? I don't know. My third one. Yeah. And I love, be, I love being here. <laughs> I love the show so much. Uh, it's yeah. one of those. And I, and I tell you guys every time, it's one of those shows that I try not to miss, you know, any episode because it just, I'm so interested in knowing, you know, what people do. <laughs> and uh, it's, um, and it's as mutual admiration society, which I tell you every time you come on the show, I think what you do at Mac stories is amazing. And it's, Thank you. It's, it's just a wonderful website. The uh, boy, you did guys, you, oof, you boy ahead, really Katie. stepped it up a notch too with your iOS co- eight coverage. I, how many stories did you publish <laughs> on iOS eight launch day? On uh, launch day, I had seventeen. Oh, and they, these these aren't like little puff pieces. Yeah. These are these are things that you've been working on for for some time. I still I still have a few in my Instapaper queue. I think at one point I tweeted and you said, "Okay, please stop now. <laughs> I can't I can't read all this in one day." Yes. It's really, yeah. I, I, I do think for our listeners uh, that Mac Stories is a great complimentary web, website to our podcast because uh, they're very interested in the same things we are and getting better at things and, you know, giving you practical advice. It's not just a bunch of stories. It's it's really good practical stuff. So if you haven't, go check out Mac Stories where Federico podcasts and I mean blogs, but you also have a podcast now. You're doing Connected with um, Stephen yeah. Hackett, who's one of our friends, and and also... Uh, Mike Hurley with a H. H. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and he's got a couple of podcasts because you're also doing. Vir- well, I have to think of the names now because you've relaunched them all. Virtual, I think, is the the new name of the yes. podcast. You've got a couple of podcasts over on yeah, Relay. Yeah. Yeah. But the the reason we want to have you back here, Federico, is is you are one of the uh, the people that writes the most about automation on iOS. And we've been talking about doing this launch center pro slash drafts episode for so long that it's now possibly obsolete because iOS eight <laughs> came out and added all these new tools. So we wanted to just take on the topic of iOS automation with you. We're going to talk about how the iOS eight stuff works. We're going to talk about how some of the older stuff still works and uh, we're going to have some fun with that. But before we get started, I just wanted to do a couple announcements. Number one, I want to thank all the listeners who came and met me at the LA five by five meetup uh, in late September. We had uh, a kind of fun meetup in Santa Monica and there were a bunch of uh, listeners there from Mac power users. And, you know, like I always say, Katie, but it just blows me away. They're all so smart. I mean, these students and doctors and musicians and just amazing people. So that was a lot of fun. Thank you all. And I thought before we get started, because this seems to be like a raging debate in the nerd universe is the six versus the six plus thing goes on. So Katie got her six. um, I got my six plus. And, you know, I'm not 100 percent sold on my six plus, Katie. I was wondering about that because you waited and waited and waited and you were insistent that you get the six plus. Um, Well, I wanted to see what it was like. And and there's a lot of things to like about it, because uh, like we had a family trip to Disneyland. I came home. And I had 50% battery. I mean, that never happens when you have a family day trip to Disneyland. And I really like that big screen. It's gorgeous. And the the pixel resolution is amazing. But the the problem I'm having is just getting it out of my pocket and turning it on is not as, it's just not 
not that good. Like I got to, you know, I have very few people that give me notifications because I have most of that stuff turned off. But when I get a notification, it's usually something I really need to see. The other day I was walking down the street and I had a drink in my hand and my phone went off. So I pulled it out of my pocket and I tried to turn it on and unlock it with the, you know, with the fingerprint ID just to see what the notification was. And I couldn't do it because I would, in order to hold it in a way that I could get my thumb over the little button, I was going to end up dropping it. And I was thinking, you know, this is just probably not going to cut it, but I still have some time left on my two weeks. So we'll see where this all ends up. Are you finding that um, it's becoming at all an iPad replacement for you? Because I took a look at the 6 Plus. I, I had an opportunity to go to the Verizon store after I got my 6 and take a look at the 6 Plus. So I wanted to be able to talk about it with you on the show. And yeah, it's it's big and it's a lot bigger than the 6, but I don't think that I could use it as a replacement for my iPad mini. And I love my iPad mini no. with retina display. Yeah, you can't you can't replace an iPad with it. I, I did like get a so I had to read a, a case related to work, you know, legal cases. Somebody sent me one and I could read it all on my phone, which is really nice. I've never been able to really do that before. I don't know if I would have been able to do that with the six or not, but it's just that awkwardness of getting it out of my pocket and getting it going that to me may, may be the deal breaker. But like I said, I'm giving it a, another, I've got some more time on it. I'm going to give it a little bit longer and also see what the app developers do in the short period. What about you, Federico? Have you um, played with the bigger one much? Yeah. Um, personally, I got an iPhone 6 uh, two days ago uh, for the Italian launch. Uh, but I played with the, with the 6 Plus at the Apple Store before I, I bought my iPhone 6. Um, because I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that uh, my choice uh, was the right one. And I tend to believe that I made the right decision to get the iPhone 6 because the 6 Plus is just too big for me. And I mean, even for me, because I have uh, relatively big hands, uh, but the 6 Plus is just <laughs> huge. And um, I, I love the bigger screen on these iPhones. I also value uh, the fact that I can have an iPhone in my pocket without, you know, having the, the kind of problems that you just mentioned. I want to be able to to take an iPhone out of my pocket quickly and just unlock it to to check messages or mail. And I fear that with the iPhone 6 Plus, I wouldn't be able to do that. So um, I'm very, very happy with the iPhone 6. Now, yeah, the I other downside... Go ahead, Kate. Go ahead. I was going to say, I know initially, Federico, weren't you, I, there, there's this kind of epic story of, of you holding your computer up to your face and, you know, trying to figure out what, what <laughs> model iPhone that you were going to buy as you were scaling these out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but initially, didn't you think that you wanted the 6 Plus and then at some point you changed your mind? What, what yeah. caused you to do yeah. that? Because I just, I spent a couple of days uh, trying to imagine that kind of device in my pocket or in my hands every day. And initially I was intrigued by the bigger screen and I, and I think it looks amazing, especially the quality of the, um, three X, um, resolution. It looks fantastic. Uh, it's just that I realized that I'm going to have to use this thing every day for the next year, at least. So even if it looks great, um, I don't think it would be comfortable for me uh, in the long run uh, because I, like I said, I want to, I want the, the pocketability, I guess, of uh, of the iPhone six um, because I I don't usually wear uh, skinny jeans or you know um, 
I have room in my pocket for an iPhone. It's just that the iPhone 6 Plus is too much. And even if it looks great, even if the screen is amazing, um, I need to give up on that kind of experience because I value um, the way that I can use it every day. So mm-hmm. even if I spend even if I spend a couple of hours touching my MacBook screen to to compare the uh, on the Apple web page, um, I needed to go with the iPhone six because it's just too important for me to be able to use a single hand uh, to use the iPhone. Well, it's funny because I I only wear skinny jeans and really tight tank tops all the time. That's my usual <laughs> outfit. There'll be a picture uh, in the show notes, folks. It, it fits. I can't imagine. Yeah. It, it, but it fits in my, you know, my man pockets. Okay. So it's fine <laughs> carrying it in my pocket, but it's just that process of getting it out and trying to like unlock it one handed, which is, it's just, I guess really the takeaway of all this, which I should have probably known going in is this is really only a two handed phone. And, um, mm. if you're okay with it, that's fine. Like my sister carries it in her purse and she thinks the big one is awesome. And, but for me, it's just not, not quite cutting it right now. Another thing that was odd for me, we talking about our Disneyland trip as a, uh, pulling out of the pocket to take pictures with it. It's very, you feel like you have to be very careful with it because you, it's hard to get kind of a good grip because of its size uh, to take a picture with it. And then when I would hand it to friends to take a picture of us, I would watch them holding it and I would just be, you know, cringing inside. Well, and that might be probably (laughs) because I'm going to maybe be taking it back and I don't want to like lose that option. (laughs) So, um, uh, but either way, you know, I, I've still, I'm, I haven't like, committed yet either way but i was just going to say that my my initial impression is it's amazing phone great battery life um great screen but the inconvenience of the large the large size may be enough to get me to switch back to the to the smaller one anyway that's not why we're here today let's talk about ios automation and and that was a really interesting time in this um it has been uh, a really uphill battle for people who wanted to get better at automating tasks on ios and the interesting part for me is that the Mac is so automation friendly. I mean, Apple built Automator and they have Apple scripts and it's, you know, it's a Unix operating system. And there's these amazing applications that we talk about often on the show, like Hazel and Keyboard Maestro and Text Expander and all these great things that make it easy to get your work done faster and easier with automation tools. And the idea behind the iOS devices when Apple first released it was these, you know, these data silos that every app was its own universe and no app could talk to another app. And they had really good reasons for that because they didn't want people stealing your data and they didn't want the system to be corrupt. And frankly, I think there were some concerns about battery life and processor load as well when they made that decision. But we've, we've gone several years. And in that period, a lot of us have tried to get these apps to talk to each other anyway. And there was always this informal backdoor, the, the URL callbacks and Federico, I think was one of the, one of the best people on the internet about explaining how those work and showing how he was using those in his life. But I have to admit Federico, I, I used URL callbacks. I never used them to the extent you did. And it always felt to me kind of like a hack. And yeah, it was really hard even like getting people, uh, our listeners to use it off the show, we would talk about it, but you know, it's just, I mean, it, it's just kind of goofy the way it would work where, you know, we'd have these secret URLs that the apps would use to talk back with one another and the apps would switch. And sometimes you'd get what you needed and sometimes you wouldn't. And it just, it just never really fully worked for me. I, am, am I just being, am I being unfair? No, with no. The, yeah. That's, that's completely fair because, uh, 
I think the possibilities uh, were nice and sometimes even great, uh, but the basic experience was terrible because you needed to explain these uh, URLs to people and uh, often the, these URLs would change and especially the the URLs for, for Apple software uh, because clearly Apple didn't like, you know, the idea of users being able to automate these kind of tasks. And I think the big difference to, that we need to mention is that um, people like me and others, um, we used URL schemes to in two ways, I think. Uh, the first way was to just do more on iOS that wasn't possible otherwise. And I'm um, talking about, for instance, sending um, text from Safari to a text editor or sharing uh, an article uh, from an RSS reader uh, to, I don't know, another, another, another web browser. And the second way was to really automate this tasks and chaining multiple apps together and maybe the, these two are related and uh, I, I believe that now that we are on ios 8 it's important to remember why we were using url schemes and exactly the kind of uh, automation that we're looking for because i think that ios 8 fixes and in many ways provides a better solution um, than what was possible before but iOS 8 still doesn't provide uh, an alternative to automating multiple tasks together in a workflow and chaining apps. So iOS 8 is doing many things differently, and I believe in many in 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 several ways, in a much more cohesive and uh, user friendly way. But when it comes to automating tasks to let the system do multiple workflows for you. Uh, without having to interact with a, with an application or you know with menus, uh, that's still up for debate, I guess. So the, I would the, say it's not even up for debate. I think it's clear that there are limits to what we can do with iOS eight. Yeah, mean, especially we're, especially we're, especially we're if get... Apple starts, especially if Apple starts removing apps from the store that are trying, you know, to do this kind of. Things on on iOS eight. Um, have you guys seen the um, launcher uh, application uh, that had a widget for iOS eight? Right, right. You were yeah. talking about that on the the last connected, and I think I downloaded that after it, and it's gone now. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's gone from the App Store because Apple did, apparently doesn't like the idea of being able to launch uh, URL schemes from Notification Center, and that's completely fair, I think, because. It's a new system, and Apple still needs to figure out exactly what they want from iOS 8, as much as people and developers are still figuring figuring the, that part out. Uh, it's just that it's going to be, uh, especially for people like me and other other users who, who came up with all these workflows to automate tasks and now these thing, these things are changing, uh, so it's going to be it's going to be difficult to to, to kind of see where iOS 8 is taking us. But it's it's also exciting in, in many ways. So, Yeah, I, I think it's great in a lot of ways because there's there's a lot of people out there that we're never going to get into URL schemes but are definitely going to get into some of these tools and they're going to get their work done faster on iOS than they did before. I'd agree with you, though. Uh, the high-end stuff, you know, the multiple task stuff is still... I don't think it's going to be solved with what we've got. We aren't going to have a keyboard maestro on on uh, ios 
Although there's one app I want to talk about later that's not out yet that does some pretty cool stuff. So oh, I know uh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know I know you do. <laughs> um, so so there's there's all these levels to this, and and I do also want to talk about drafts and Launcher Pro because I think they're still very much. Uh, a useful tool in this process. But before we get to those apps, I think I wanted to kind of break down this extensibility stuff we have uh, with iOS 8. And, you know, they've got, they've got various categories of extensibility that can be used in an automation since even though some of them, I don't think were even intended for that, but they're very easy to kind of bring into these workflows. And the first of those is notification center widgets. And it's, I, I don't know what we're supposed to call them. It's in the today view, but most of the stuff that I'm putting there has nothing to do with the, the date of the month. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Maybe, I don't know what they do, but it's called today view. So when you drag down from the top of the screen on your iPhone or your iPad, it, you know, you've got notification center. There's two tabs in iOS eight. What the right one is for notifications. The left one's called today. And traditionally it had today's calendar. It had, um, the Some, weather Yeah, had, next appointments where you're going, how long it'll take you to get there. Things like that. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff was much more relevant to today, but they also even then had their own widgets. They had like a stock widget and your reminders and things like that. Well, they've opened that up with iOS 8. So now uh, applications can put like a satellite view in that center. And uh, this is something that, you know, there's really two categories of apps for this. The first category is a traditional app like OmniFocus, which is a full-on app, but it can also display your upcoming due tasks in that, in that today view. And then there's a separate category of apps that are just appearing now that they, they're apps that exist on your phone, but the only thing they exist on your phone do is to put something into that today view, which I think is a very interesting development. Um, it, the, the thing about this that I think is really remarkable and really that everybody needs to pay attention to is this is available to you anywhere. You can be in any application and drag down and have the, these tools uh, so it's basically an addition to every app on your phone. And and if you think about it that way, forget about the calendar. You can put some really cool productivity stuff in there. Uh, just as an example, I know Katie is a big Evernote user. If you have the Evernote app installed on your phone and you go into that today and you, and you enable it, and the way you enable it, by the way, is you drag all the way to the bottom and there's a big edit button and there's a list of all the apps on your phone that can put something there and you can just tap it and add them. But Evernote, I think does a really great job because they take a very small space vertically and they just have four buttons there to add things to Evernote in the appropriate places that you would want to. Yeah, and now you can do that. There are actually five buttons. And, and what the Evernote widget in particular lets you do is you can either start a new text note. You can have access to the camera, which lets you do all kinds of things. You can have access to photos. You can add a new reminder or you can start a new list. And if you're creating a new Evernote note, those are likely the things that you're you're most apt to do. And when you click one of those buttons, what it does is it does have to open the Evernote app. Um, but assuming that you're you're using your phone, it just boom, it pops you right into to a new note. And especially with some of the enhancements that Evernote has made and some of these other developers have made to make their apps more iOS friendly, it makes it very easy to get in there and just quickly start typing a new note or quickly take a new photo and create a note in Evernote or scan a new business card or whatever it is you're doing. And so, so that's an application that is completely taking advantage of this notification center widget area 
in a way that can increase your productivity in your device. I, I mean, what's your take on these notification center widgets, Federico? Well, it's it's complicated because there's so much stuff coming out, and it's only been two weeks. Um, I think if I needed to to sum up the kind of uh, the kind of innovation that I've seen so far is that there are two types of widgets. The first one I think is the is the launcher. That's what I like to call it. Not not the application, the kind of experience that you get. The kind of like the Evernote widget that gives you a shortcut to a specific sh- section of the app. Or um, there's another widget that I'm trying of a. It's called Pace Plus, and it basically lets you. Um, perform different actions on your clipboard. So if you copy some text, you can open Notification Center and have a widget that lets you send that text to to the Messages app or perhaps to Safari or maybe directly into a Google search. Uh, so I think that um, the launcher and so widget, widgets that launch specific actions, um, those are I think those are clearly one of the big ideas coming out of the developer community right now. The second type is the is the dashboard widget, the the kind of widget that gives you information at a glance and that lets you see information in a in a in a, in a small uh, form factor. I would say, for instance, there's the um, I'm trying this new food tracking app called uh, LifeSum. And basically, it, the, the widget lets me see the breakdown of the my calories um, for the current day, and there's a list showing uh, the calories that are consumed uh, at breakfast, lunch, dinner, and through snacks. Another type of widget um, of this kind is the weather underground widget that gives me a nice clean breakdown of the current uh, weather and forecasts for the night for the next few hours so i think that right now the main two types of widgets are the ones that launch a specific section of an app or a specific action and the other is the widget that shows you information uh, the the big question for me is whether we'll start seeing widgets that have some kind of deeper interactivity with the user. Uh, the kind of widgets that lets you that lets you perform actions directly in the in the today view. And I and I think part of the problem here is that Apple is advising developers not to not to cram too much interactivity into these widgets. Uh, for instance, widgets cannot have uh, cannot show a keyboard, so you cannot type into notification center. You can only tap. You cannot enter text. So, I had the idea of, hey, maybe it would be nice to have um, a note-taking application with the widgets, uh, with widgets into notification center, and perhaps you could type in there. But that's not possible. Yeah, we had a uh, case on the show last week from Omni Group, and he says, wouldn't it be nice if we could do a quick entry? And inside yeah. the widget, and that's just not. It doesn't. That's not going to happen. No, it's yeah. Not. Um, it, so I, I, I think I'm seeing. Um, there's a, a few betas I'm trying. Of, uh, for instance, there's uh, this clipboard manager um, that lets you um, archive snippets of text, 
and you can access those snippets from from a widget and the widget uh, lets you tap to copy the text back into your clipboard in different formats so you can tap there are buttons to you can choose from um but even the kind of interaction is a uh, is extremely limited uh so i think that developers need more time uh for sure to figure out the kind of a uh, the kind of functionalities that they can add to widgets but i think the main problem remains that until apple changes its mind um basically developers simply cannot go over certain limitations imposed by 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 apple so there's n- there's not going to be a developer who figures out a way to bring up the keyboard because that's simply not possible so until next year i think we'll we'll see many different experiments and nice designs like the evernote widgets uh that, that you mentioned but when it comes to automation and productivity i think there will be many many limitations and maybe next year maybe next year we'll get keyboard support and uh, all other nice things that would help us and, and I think to some degree, the developers are still not quite sure what the rules are. And perhaps there's, there's been yeah. some lack of clarity from Apple on what exactly they can and can't do with these extensions and particularly in the notification center widget. Um, I, I know um, David Bernard, uh, the folks who do the um, Launch Center Pro app and, and Contact Center app, was talking about how they made a, a conscious choice to to kind of sit out the first round of, of iOS 8 launches for a number of reasons, but one of them being that, you know, they, they weren't quite sure, they didn't want to devote a lot of time and a lot of development resources if if some of the things that they wanted to do weren't going to get approved. And they kind of wanted to take a, a wait-and-see attitude and see what was Apple going to approve. And I think you've, you've seen some of that backlash a little bit with, you know, the, the Widgets app, being approved and then being pulled. And I guess I'm not quite sure why that got no. through the approval process to begin with. We all know that Apple's approval process is a little weird in terms of things get approved that maybe shouldn't have or things that should have gotten approved didn't. But for whatever reason, it, it got approved and they said, no, no, we don't think we want to do that anymore. Uh, I think the problem right now is that basically Apple changed their minds after the approval of all these uh, new widgets. And essentially right now, Apple says, we don't want widgets that replicate the experience of the home screen. So we don't want developers to make widgets that, that allow the users to launch other applications. So if you have a widget, the widget needs to launch your own app. And you cannot automate that stuff. You cannot allow the users to customize the URL scheme. The widget needs to launch your app and take you into a section of your app, whatever. whatever. We just don't want the users to be able to customize and set up their own shortcuts. So we don't want you to make a widget that lets somebody put an icon for Safari or for Mail or for Beats Music into Notification Center. So for automation, that's not good news. Um, I want to go back and cover some ground, though, because we've we've gone through quite a bit here. uh, So on the most recent subject is, you know, can we put a launcher in a widget? It's a shame because I actually had in the outline for the show this launcher application, which I have installed. And uh, and hopefully they won't find a way to disable it for me. But I guess if it doesn't get any more updates, that's a problem. But, you know, there are 
applications that are not on my home screen that I may want to access quickly when I'm on the go and accessing them from the notification center seems to me perfectly reasonable. And I don't, I don't really understand the decision not to allow that. Um, but, and I'm, I suspect we won't get much of an explanation of it, but hopefully they're reconsidering. I don't know, but that other category of apps and, and particularly there two you mentioned is paste plus, which is now on the store, correct? That's not off, right? No, it's still there. No, no, that's on the store. Uh, yeah. As of the time we recorded this, at least. And, and the show, up, the upcoming app called Clips. And Clips is by the same guys that do Dispatch, I believe, and which is one of my favorite apps on the iPhone. And um, both of those are kind of what I was talking about earlier when I say this gives you functionality available everywhere. And Paste Plus, you can you can copy a URL address or a bit of text and it gives you just an immediate, easily accessible set of buttons to do things with it. I can send it to OmniFocus. I can send an email or whatever. And it, it just takes a lot of friction out of sharing and working with the text that's not already in drafts. And I think it's just, it, it's at the top of my notification center because I just find so much usage for it. And clips is another one like that where it's not out yet, but it, it may be by the time this goes, I don't know what their launch date is planned to be, but it's um this thing is really great. And it's not like a clipboard manager on the Mac where it automatically captures and catalogs everything you copy. You have to physic you have to take the step of putting it into the clips because iOS is not going to have some method that allows you to constantly monitor whatever the user puts in a clipboard. I think that's probably a security concern of theirs. But but manually putting it in there is not much work. And I often am working on my iPad where I'm grabbing bits of text from three or four different sources that I want to paste somewhere. And this completely solves that problem for me. And it's in my notification center. And I, I'm very excited about this kind of stuff. I'm kind of concerned that Paste Plus is going to face the same problems of a launcher uh, with the Apple review team because Paste Plus lets you, I mean, it doesn't let, it doesn't have a feature to customize the URL, the URL schemes manually, uh, but it does launch other apps. So hopefully Apple will be okay with Base Plus for some reason because it doesn't it doesn't expose the URL schemes part of to the user. Um, I keep it to the top of my today view as well because it's just too handy, especially because it, um, it, it just every time I need to copy, uh, I I want to copy some text and look it up on Google. Um, it's just too tedious to op- find Safari, paste the text, and go to Google. Uh, in this way, I can just copy, slide down from the top of the screen, and just hit a button, and and a paste plus does everything for me. So that's a nice bit of iOS uh, automation, right? Uh, you can have a widget that takes the clipboard and does stuff with the clipboard. Hopefully, Apple will continue to be okay with this kind of app. I'm going to be really disappointed if they start, you know, crippling this stuff with those types of decisions. Because I mean, I can I can understand why you wouldn't want uh, an application like Launcher that basically tells the user, okay, here's uh, the URL schemes, do whatever you want, and you can have a custom widget. That part I can understand, but stuff like Paste Plus. Or clips. I hope seriously that 
Apple would be okay with yeah. that. Yeah, and even then, I'm not entirely sold on the decision to pull launcher because you yeah. know it, it's 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 you know it's a user customizable area. They've purposely enabled this, and if I decide I want like I don't have Audible on my home screen, but I do have some audiobooks I occasionally listen to. And if I get in my car and want to launch Audible without having to drill through folders, why shouldn't I be allowed to? I, I don't really get that, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but, but either way, I, I do think this other category, this, the pace plus and the, the developer that has pace plus does several other kind of, um, notification center widget based apps. They do agenda plus, which is an alternative method to display in your calendar. And they have another one, which I don't recall right now what it is. Uh, forecast yes, plus. Yes. So they do it like a, their their take on a cleaner weather but just about everybody that's got a weather app now i'm sure is looking at coming up with their own notification center widgets at one point i saw on twitter the guy the developers over at phillips were they had a hue light bulb notification center widget which uh, as far as i know is not out yet but i've seen screenshots of it and i love it i mean because i have hue light bulbs in my home to be able to just flip down notifications in or turn off and on the lights. I mean, that seems to me like a perfect use for this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's again, the kind of idea of uh, automation in iOS 8. It's not much about uh, URL schemes or um, connecting multiple apps together, but what we're seeing is uh, easier access to a feature t- uh, thanks to extensions, basically. Yeah. So it's not the kind of automation that we were used to with drafts and Launcher uh, Pro, but in many ways it's better because it's more visual and it's interactive and it's everywhere because um, Notification Center is everywhere and Share and Action Extensions, they're also everywhere as long as you use the system share sheet, which is another problem. But anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of a automation. Yeah, and and in, that, in that category, the idea of just getting quicker access to quick input and data manipulation. There's a category of what I would call notification apps uh, in that category. Like for instance, the hours app, which is a great time tracker. If you're somebody who makes your living tracking time, you can put your projects in hours and, and it does a really good job of keeping track and giving reports and doing all this stuff. And it's a beautiful, beautifully designed app, by the way, if you haven't used it, they've got a nice notification center, which, which you can easily access uh, your projects from there, you know, just drop it down and, and set your project and continue. PCalc is another one like that, you know, that had the idea, let's put the calculator in the notification center. And it's a very quick access to a simple calculator. An interesting piece of that one is the, the functions it displays differ between the iPad and the iPhone. You know, there's more, there were more room on the iPad. You get more functions. I guess I can't help but yeah. Um, Go ahead, Federico. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to say that I use PCalc every day. I just wish that uh, that it was possible for people to, for PCalc to carry uh, my custom layout yeah. to the widget. Yeah. Um, but the developer um, James uh, Thompson uh, told me that it's basically a, a memory problem because widgets cannot uh, allocate too much memory. Um, when they're being used. So a custom layout with all your custom buttons and, and functions, uh, it would consume too much RAM on the device. Again, hopefully someday, yeah. <laughs> not now. Well, I mean, the, and this device is, is 
you know, with one gigabyte, it, it's, yeah. you, know, you gotta be careful. That's one thing I really <laughs> wish Apple would increase is, is the amount of RAM in the iOS devices. But so one thing I can't help but, you know, wonder is we're going through all of these widgets and, and I realize that we're in early days and some of this is experimentation, but Apple probably wanted to put some limitations on it because how many things do you put into your notification center in widgets before it becomes, you know, too cluttered and before uh, it's it's no longer useful? I mean, I know that I have been uh, very judicious about the things that I put in there. And, um, you know, I, I quite frankly have significantly more things turned off than I do turned on. I mean, right now I've just got calendar, OmniFocus, Evernote, and uh, the Today Summary turned on. And uh, everything else is is turned off because I want to maintain the functionality. You know, if something's in that notification center, it's very important to me. And so I, I try to be um, very careful about what I put in there. So uh, people have to make that decision for themselves. But is that a concern about you just jam too much in there that all of a sudden you can't find anything? Or or how different is that now from scrolling through multiple home screens? I For me, totally. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, no, David. Go ahead, please. <laughs> for me, totally, because uh, uh, I'm just like you, Katie. Um, I've been trying all these new widgets. And suddenly I have this uh, today view that I need to scroll to find the widget that I'm looking for. And it kind of defeats the point of using widgets. But I also think that um, that it's one of those uh, geeky problems that just people like, like you and I, we, we experience these kind of problems. And it's perfect for, for the audience on our podcasts and, and websites. But I, I don't think that normal people, uh, as we like to call them, um, have this kind of issue, at least not to our degree. Uh, the other day I was, uh, I was explaining iOS 8 to, to a friend of mine, uh, because he asked me, Hey, what's new in iOS? And, uh, and it's difficult to explain iOS 8 to, to somebody who doesn't use many third party apps, uh, who doesn't try to do work on iOS, who just maybe wants to take some picture and use Facebook and WhatsApp. And so I wanted to demonstrate uh, Notification Center by putting as many widgets as possible, right? Um, so I went to his uh, Today View and I tried to add a widget and he didn't have a single third-party app that provided widgets. Yeah. Uh, and that was interesting because... <laughs> Because here uh, I, was, I was looking at two completely different sides of the same coin. My iPhone was full of widgets and I needed to understand and to prioritize the kind of widgets that I wanted to see. And this other iPhone, uh, also on iOS 8, not a single widget. And so I think that maybe for people like us, uh, there is a concern about using, too, using these features too much. So I, I do believe that Using too many widgets. Uh, I mean, at what point can you just keep using your home screens and the apps instead of scrolling uh, day-to-day view? Because you need to scroll anyway. You need to find information anyway. So what I'm trying to do is to be extremely careful about the widgets that I use. I have, uh, I think, four right now. Um, Because if I need to spend time uh, discovering and trying to find stuff in the today view, I might as well use an app for that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting because 
this is uh, this is very new to us right being able to to find widgets to install keyboards and all these new extensions like whoa i get it that maybe right now there's a a novelty to this and uh, maybe in a few months we'll realize that you know maybe we have tried too many different things because right now it's fun to to install all these different apps um, yeah, well, but yeah to, to to conclude i'm sorry to conclude i'm trying to keep four or five widgets well what, what i'm doing for now is i'm i'm putting like the keepers on top and i am enabling a lot more because i'm just in the process of testing them and seeing how they work um like dropbox has a widget that you know takes you to the five most recently uploaded items I don't think I need that as a widget, but I just wanted to see how it all worked. So I've got that enabled, but it's further down. I think at some point when this stuff kind of sorts out, my goal is to have only as many as will, will fit on that screen and not have to scroll on it. Because you're right, once you start scrolling, it, it kind of loses its 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 charm. But it, I also think that it's it's there's a lot of smart developers out there that are going to be coming up with some great ideas to make this even more useful to us. And to me, I mean, the thing I just cannot let go of, and I've already said it twice on the show, but it's, it's always there. You can be in any application and you can drop that down and you, you might be able to do something with the stuff you're working on. Well, yeah, because you don't have to switch back and forth between the app that you're using and back to the home screen and then back to the app and then back to the home screen. It's, it's, it's always there. And that's, that's one of the biggest conveniences of, uh, of widgets. They're always available, no matter whether you're in Safari or Mail or Settings. You can always use widgets, and that's great. Yeah, Guys, we've been uh, going for 40 minutes now, and all we've talked about is widgets. And, you know, there's a whole lot more to automation yeah, no. on Sorry, iOS. Katie. No, I know. I just, we got to keep moving or we'll never, we'll never get to all of it. So um, why don't we take this minute to, to collect ourselves and, and take a quick break. And David, why don't you tell us a little bit about our exclusive sponsor for this episode, Smile. Uh, our friends at Smile are exclusively sponsoring this episode and they have some, some great automation stuff themselves. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today is PDF pin, uh, both on the Mac and on iOS. And in particular, I wanted to talk about PDF pin on the Mac. So a lot of us are dealing with PDF files. It's just kind of part of life anymore. And while you get preview with your Mac, there's a lot of things you might want to do with a PDF app, with a PDF file that you can't do in preview. A great example is just text recognition. I mean, PDFs are usually documents and you want to be able to highlight those words. Have you ever had someone send you a PDF file and you go to try and highlight a word and it just turns the whole document yellow in preview? That's because the document doesn't have optical character recognition and that's not built in with preview. So you're going to need an application to do it for you. And PDF pen should be your choice for that. Uh, PDF pen will go through the document and perform optical character recognition and add the words to the document. It does a really nice tone afterwards, like a bell sound. I, I just like the sound after it finishes that. They have great sounds at Smile. But anyway, it, you push the button, it goes through, and it, it reads the document and adds the words to it. And then you can go back and highlight it. When you're dealing with forms for school or uh, documents at work or at home, you're going to need that uh, option sometimes. And that also gives you the ability to copy and paste text right out of that document once you've conducted OCR. Another great feature with PDF pen is the ability to change words. Sometimes you have a PDF file and everything's right, but the price is wrong or the date is wrong, or there's some little thing that you're going to need to fix in it. Rather than having to go back to whatever the source file was and recreate the PDF, you can fix that right in PDF pen. 
And I think the the most magical feature for me uh, in my day job where I deal with a lot of documents is the ability to take a PDF and go the opposite direction with it. It's like magic. So if someone sends you a PDF file and you're like, well, wait a second, I need to start with this all over again. I need to get it into a Word document. Right in PDF pen, you can push a button and it will convert a PDF into a convincing looking uh, Word document, which is just fantastic. So uh, you want to check all these features out with PDF pen. They have PDF pen and then they also have PDF pen pro, which adds even additional features like the ability to build a table of contents and to create fillable forms. And all of this stuff is very reasonably priced. You can get it directly from their website at smilesoftware.com. You can also get it from the app store. Um, they also have a free download trial, uh, downloadable tri- trial, and it's made by, you know, Mac developers. So they have things like Apple script support and all those great features that we're going to want when we're automating on our Mac. One of the uh, most popular blog posts I've ever done at Mac Sparky was the one where I, 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 I had an Apple script showing people how to automatically OCR documents using PDF pen. You just drop it in a folder and it runs a script and sticks it out as, as OCR files because people have this problem. They don't want to do it manually. All of this stuff is possible with PDF pen, a great group of people over there, longtime sponsor of the show. And they really make a fantastic application with PDF pen. So please go check it out. You can go to smilesoftware.com um, and let them know you heard about it from us. So probably the next category of extensibility in iOS that, I want to talk a little bit about our browser extensions. And this is new because what you, you'll you see these inside Safari. Um, I don't believe you can see them in any of the third-party browsers. They just work inside Safari. But when you hit the little share button to go do something with a web page, you know, usually you could just message it or mail it or Twitter or Facebook it. But now there's this magical little more button. And when you click the magical little more button, you'll see all kinds of other options based on the apps that you have installed. So just like in Notification Center and just like with widgets, if you want to add this additional functionality to Safari, you specifically have to to turn on these things um, within Safari by you do it once and then they stay turned on. Although I don't think they fixed that bug yet um, where they don't keep their their place. But anyway, Um, but for example, um, I've got apps in there that that now I've got a dedicated send to Instapaper button and Instapaper is my read it latest later service of choice. So once the Instapaper app was updated for for iOS 8, this Instapaper button showed up in my more list and, and Safari and I can turn it on and now have an Instapaper feature that I can share a web page directly to my Instapaper queue. Or um, I can share something to Evernote or I can send something to OmniFocus as a task uh, and with apps like 1Password, they also have an ability to integrate into Safari so you can actually do things within Safari. So uh, in in my mind, it, it makes Safari incredibly usable because, you know, before with an app like 1Password, I had to go into the 1Password app, copy my password, bring it back out of Safari, you know, paste it back in. And now I can just autofill right within the app. It, I, I don't know how this all works under the hood, but it, it just seems magical. So, uh, Federico, are, are, are you, I, this has got to be cranking up your productivity a level. I, I know you probably use the <laughs> iPad on the go more than, more than anyone else we've ever talked to on, on Mac power users. It, it, how are you using this feature? Okay. So there's a lot to, co- to cover here. I'll try to be as brief as possible. Um, what you mentioned is uh, 
they are technically their name is action and share extensions and the way they work is that um these are available uh, in the system's uh, share sheet the the little pop up that you get when you share um in any app not only safari they work in any app that uses the the apple provided share yeah, sheet yeah it's a little square um, with an arrow pointing at the top yes and they are organized in two uh, rows. Uh, the top one is the share extensions. The bottom one, the uh, the icons with the with the gray um, glyph, uh, they are the action action extensions. Um, Safari makes for a great demo, um, but they're not only available to Safari. Other, uh, I think there's still no third party browser. Um, maybe with the exception of Chrome. You know, because I think that Google, surprisingly, is uh, supporting extensions in iOS 8. Uh, but Safari makes for, for the best demo because it's, it's fast, it's clean, and, and, and it really gives you the idea of extensions. Um, what I'm trying to, to do now is to figure out ways to replace the old workflows that I had with extensions. And I think that one password makes for a, for a, for a good example, in the old days, I would use a bookmarklet, uh, a little piece of JavaScript code, to send the current web page that I was reading in Safari directly to one password. So one password would take the web page. So Safari would switch me back to one password. One password would ask me for my master password, and then the app would load the Safari web page into its own browser where you could use um, the 1Password uh, functionality to log in. That worked, but it was, um, it was a pain to, to set up because you needed to, you needed to create a JavaScript bookmarklet and because your, uh, the experience was, was not great because you were, you were in Safari and then you were back into 1Password. And, you know, it, it was convoluted. And, and you never knew when the JavaScript was going to break. Yeah, exactly. And right now, uh, in iOS 8, uh, you can simply stay inside Safari, press the share sheet uh, icon, choose 1Password, and a little 1Password interface comes up directly into the browser, and it fills the login for you. And that's a good example, because before iOS, iOS 8, we would use all these tiny, tiny holes in the Apple sandbox system to figure out ways to let Safari communicate with 1Password. Right now, this is all different, because thanks to iOS 8, we can use extensions to, 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 to retain our context in the app that we're using, but still enjoy the functionality of another app without all this back and forth and JavaScript codes and URL schemes. And I think in general... Um, what I also noticed in my in my workflow is that I'm using all these uh, Python scripts less and less because um, iOS 8 apps provide better and more visual uh, interfaces to do what I used to do with, with Python and with scripts. For example, um, Evernote has a new share extension in iOS 8 that lets you archive a web page from Safari. Um, and it lets you save a full copy of the web page uh, into your Evernote account, and so you can have a custom Evernote sheet with a with a green interface. You can choose the 
the notebook that you're going to to save a note into and it's all very visual you can you can see a, a thumbnail preview of the web page you can customize the title in iOS 7 I used to <laughs> I used to have a, a JavaScript bookmarklet in Safari that would send the the URL of the web page to Pythonista Pythonista would <laughs> use a Python script to request the HTML source code of the web page, reformat that code, and save it into my Evernote account. And it was so, so unreliable. Uh, because I was basically fetching HTML code manually, and, and it was a, the kind of script that worked five times out of ten, the other five times I would get an error from the Evernote API. Yeah, my, my system was just was, as weird. I had to use a JavaScript bookmarklet to send a web page to Pocket, and then I'd have to open the Pocket app, which had an Evernote hook oh, yes. that would allow me to save <laughs> to a notebook. So I had to go through like three steps, and now I hit the share sheet, I tap Evernote. Evernote has a nice, it, like you said, it's a very attractive interface. It allows me to to very specifically put a web page in place and it's all done right there. And this happens because the great thing about extensions is that they you you only have to install one extension usually. But the extension is capable of understanding what exactly you want to share. So in Safari for instance maybe you're using a, a pinboard app in safari so you use the extension of this pinboard app um for example i like the new version 3 of pinner which is a pinboard client and when you use that extension it knows that you want to save the link and the title of the web page so it just uses just two pieces of information to let you bookmark a web page directly in safari but when i when i'm using evernote evernote knows that I want to save the title of the web page, but also the full copy of the web page. So because extensions have access to the DOM, and the DOM stands for Document Ob- Object Model, basically means that extensions can get the full HTML copy of a web page with all its resources, whether it's text, formatting, images, styling, everything. And thanks to this uh, flexibility that, that extensions have, I can also drop other kind of workflows and bookmarklets and scripts that I used to save web pages and images to Pinterest. I use Pinterest to to archive things that I want to buy or things that are just cool. And I like the service because it's visual. It lets me organize images in all these visual boards. And before iOS 7, I needed to, you know, to send all these URLs back and forth. Now I can just use a, an, a, the Pinterest extension and that brings up a little pop-up in Safari and it lets me choose the image that I want to, to save from the current web page and I just need to tap and, and it's done. So when I, when I, at the beginning of the episode, when I, when I, when I said that there's two, kind, two kinds of automation, um, the one that was necessary to overcome the limitations of iOS uh, that part, I think, it, it, it's being fixed by iOS 8. But the part that requires, by design or by necessity, multiple apps to be connected together, um, that's still not done. But um, 
for me, at least what I'm what I've seen in the past uh, three months that I've been using iOS eight since the first beta, the fact that I, that I can now drop all these little hacks and and complex workflows for something that is much much more integrated and visual and easy and stable uh, is it's just uh, a better experience than what I used to have. Yeah. And, and I'd add to that, it's much more accessible to everyone, you know. Oh, not, yeah, because you, you can explain that to everybody. I mean, Federico famously was tired of not being able to automate on his iPad, so he learned Python. He learned how to program. <laughs> and I just don't think that a lot of our listeners are going to, you know, take that one for the team, you know. No. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, another example for me with the share sheet that is is absolutely essential to me is OmniFocus. You know, I, I, I prattle on about it all the time, but that application saves my life every day. And uh, I often have links and things that I would have to share with my OmniFocus. And the way in iOS 7 to do that was to email it to my secret OmniFocus address. You know, if you have OmniFocus, they give you an, an email address. You can send anything there and it'll turn into a task. But just think about that for a minute. I have to open an email I have to address it to my secret address. I have to type in stuff. Then I send off an email and then it has to go out into the internet and get processed at Omni and put into my inbox. And that's assuming that I'm using the OmniSync uh, database sync, which a lot of people don't use. Some people want to do it privately, so they wouldn't even have that ability. And now there's this share sheet. Basically, I tap a button and not only do I can immediately drop it and deposit locally into my OmniFocus database? I can assign a project and a context and all the things that I couldn't even do before. And um, uh, this kind of stuff gets me really excited. You know, when you were talking earlier about trying to explain people why iOS 8 is really great, I had the same experience with my wife. I was trying to explain it to her, and she wasn't really getting it. Uh, the photo stuff she got, but the other stuff she didn't get. And it reminded me a lot of, and I have mentioned this before on the show, but it reminded me of when Snow Leopard came out. And I was so excited about services and the stuff you could do with Snow Leopard. And if you go back and listen to our old shows, you can hear it. Um, but a lot of people didn't get that Snow Leopard was huge for us, too, because it, it made your Mac more powerful. And this stuff makes your, your phone and your iPad more powerful. Yeah, the only problem is that Snow Leopard was a very stable release. Yeah. Whereas I just say still has a few bucks. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they came out, uh, and you know, that's very unusual for Apple to issue an operating system update and pull it, you know, 10 minutes later or however long it was. <laughs> I think it was about an hour and a half. And I think they said 400,000 people were potentially affected by the oops that was 8.0.1. Now, what type of stability problems are you guys facing? Because I really haven't had that many. Oh, uh, for me. Uh... It's been, primarily it's the extensions uh, because I love extensions, but there are still so many bugs in the, yeah. in the system that basically sometime, sometimes I want to save, I don't know, a web page to an extension and the, the extension just crashes. It comes up and then it, it immediately is dismissed. Um, or maybe I want to save um, the title of a web page uh, to an extension, but the extension doesn't understand that I want to get the title, and instead it fetches the the URL of the web page. It's all these little inconsistencies, and there's a, an article by the by the uh, main developer of uh, the Tumblr app for iOS. Uh, he's documented all these little bugs and problems with extensions. Um, 
I think that Apple is aware of these issues and they're still uh, working on the system because it's a very, very, it's easy to the user. It's extremely accessible to the end user. But uh, from a technical point of view, extensions are such a major change uh, for the way that iOS works um, that not only for third-party developers, but for Apple itself, it, it has been difficult to come up with a with a reliable and consistent uh, implementation. So I think we'll, we'll keep seeing um, updates on, I, on iOS 8 this year I wonder how, to fix these problems. I wonder how much of it is memory allocation, too. I mean, you were talking earlier about how they have very limited memory to use on these, and that, that yeah. could all often cause a problem. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about action extensions. I think we've been mainly talking about share extensions, and and you, you did mention the 1Password, but this is kind of new territory where I think there's even more interest from my part about act, acting on things that you do on your device. Um, uh, there's an app that you mentioned on your website. I discovered through you called screenshot. That is an action extension that does a really great job of making a screenshot of your entire screen on iOS, which is actually kind of difficult before iOS eight. Yeah. It lets you uh, turn any web page uh, from Safari or another browser into an image, which is, uh, it used to be, po- it's still possible. It's always been possible on the Mac using, uh, back in the old days, there was a little snapper by real Mac. And now it's Ember. Uh, also Sketch had a, as a feature to let you um, generate a screenshot from a, from a, a web page in Safari. Uh, now this is possible on iOS. Thanks to, thanks to the fact that I told you guys about um, extensions have access to the DOM of a web page. They can basically uh, render a full web page and turn it into a different format. So in, in the case of um, uh, this app is called, I think, Awesome Screenshot, um, you can turn a web page into an image or there's a, the, the new uh, the update to PDF converter from uh, Riddle. Uh, that lets you turn any web page into a PDF directly in Safari. And you can you just need to press an icon and there's a little progress bar that comes up in Safari and you have a PDF back into the, the app, which is amazing because I've always wished for I've always wished for a print to PDF feature on iOS, yeah. and now this is possible with with an extension. Yeah, that, that's that's my white whale. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yes, I, I don't know if they're ever going to get it. Like uh, when when our friends uh, over at um, what's the name of the email app I just mentioned earlier? Dispatch. 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 They added an ability to save an email to a PDF within <laughs> the app, and that's like. That is so golden. I don't know why every email application hasn't done that, because what's one of the most frequent places you want to save an e- a PDF, in my case, is from an email. And there's just yeah. no way to do it in Apple Mail. And uh, You know, David, I think that Apple should consider making an iBooks extension to let you save anything to PDF into iBooks. Yeah, that would be great. That. So we have a feature request. Yeah. We got we got well, to send Apple a lot of people that Apple listen to the show. So if you're listening, please help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, but it, it is, you know, but these things are becoming possible that weren't possible before and I think that's great. And and the Clips app which isn't out yet by the the guys from Dispatch, to me this is like the perfect example of an action extension where you select text in any application and you just hit that sharing button in the the clips extension and then it gets added to this 
this basically this um this bank of saved text and then you can go in and, and work with it and i find that for writing big documents on ios this makes the whole process so much easier and i uh and this is a really a combination of an action extension and a notification center widget but boy uh this is a game changer for me yeah and especially because you don't have to use at least in my case, I don't have to use scripts anymore. Yeah. I'm just so relieved that I don't have to write a script for every single feature that I want. Yeah. I can just install an extension. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's talk. I, I don't want to get too much into keyboards. I'm not sure how automation friendly they are, but there's a couple keyboards that do have some elements of automation to them. And uh, one of them is our friends at Smile with the Text Expander keyboard because Text Expander is one of those things. It's an automation tool that has always worked great in apps that wanted to play with it, but you know, has been unavailable in apps that don't. And now by creating this keyboard, you've got the ability to activate it anywhere. And I think that's, that's a great automation tool, but we've kind of talked about, we did, we covered it in in great detail in the last episode. Are you using text expander keyboard yet? Federico? Oh yeah. Um, I use it especially because, um, for those kind of kinds of snippets that I want to have both on my Mac and my iPad, uh, I don't want to recreate all my snippets from scratch using the iCloud um, system. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love Text Expander. I use it on the Mac every day. And now that it's on iOS, I, the, the, the best part for me is that I, uh, I can just switch to the keyboard. I don't have to... Um, uh, open the settings of any every app that I want to use Text Expander with. I can just switch the keyboard and type my snippet. I use snippets for things like when I need to set up my my email accounts. Um, I don't want to type the the server address yeah. every single time, uh, so I have a snippet for that. And that's um, a really good idea. Also, things, yeah. Yeah, because I have an IMAP account, and you know, it's it's one of those addresses that it's tedious to type also things like my name because um uh, i use ios in english and of course ios doesn't know about federico or vitici or that kind of stuff so i just you know whatever i i gave i gave up on on apple understanding my name a long time ago hey a, uh, a I note just to ios Spender. developers you know the development team at apple get on that you don't know who federico <laughs> vitici is come on <laughs> no it's I kind of wish that QuickType would be able to learn Italian names, even if it's set to English. Uh, it's I realize it's it's such an edge case. It's I you know that's what well, snippets are. I was going to ask you about that, I, and I know that you're you're multilingual on your on your iOS device. Does it make any effort at all, or does it just completely confuse it? I think it is completely confused because. Um, I try to see on the Mac, I can use the um, learn spelling uh, feature. So even if I, uh, I keep my Mac set to American English and sometimes I just need to type Italian names, right? And the Mac is quite capable of understanding the kind of language that you're writing into. And even if it doesn't understand, you can select a word and learn that spelling so it doesn't bother you anymore. On iOS, I need to switch between two keyboards all the time, the English and Italian one. The English one, even after, what is it, like seven years of using iOS, 
it still doesn't know how to correct things like Dederico to Federico. It's just a letter, and it just doesn't want to understand the part. Um, That's okay. But if it, I switch, it still calls Max Sparky Max Sparky. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. That, I mean, it's my name, so you know. Uh, but I, I, I don't complain because I realize that how many how many people are using both Italian and English, and how many people can complain about that on a podcast. So um, that's not really an issue. So Texas Panther fixes that for me, and I'm so glad that that it's that it's on iOS as a keyboard. I, I still don't use it as my primary keyboard because oh, no. the, uh, I use dictation so much. I actually use the Apple keyboard the most. And if you haven't tried these swipe keyboards, um, I, you know, I, I played with them. I'm still not very fast on a keyboard with a swipe keyboard. My, my daughter who is like crazy fast on a, on the traditional iPhone keyboard. Now I watch her on, on the swipe keyboard and it's just a blur. I don't even understand how she's doing it. It makes me feel really old watching her do it. But uh, have you played with the swipes that much? Have you have you adopted that? Uh, I I played with a Swift key. Yeah, uh, I'm quite actually I'm quite capable at uh, one handed swiping on the keyboard. Uh, as I, I use it um, like at the end of the day, uh, I open my Twitter mentions and uh, I I make an effort to reply to every single follower because I, I just think it's the right thing to do. Um, and I use the swipe, uh, the Swift key keyboard with the swipes because it's faster for me because I'm usually in bed, you know, I'm using one hand. Yeah. Um, so I just want to reply to everybody. And um, uh, I found that, um, that I can be faster with Swift key when it comes to, to those quick replies on Twitter. And yeah, it's been, it's been nice. Yeah. I I hope at some point they come up with the feature that allows you to switch between the keyboards uh, more elegantly. Yeah. But, um, uh, one trick on that is if you're going to keep the Apple uh, emoji keyboard, because both the Apple keyboard and the emoji keyboard, if you hold down, it gives you a list of the keyboards and you yeah. can jump to one. So if you're going to keep both and you've got several, I'd say put the emoji one kind of in the middle so you don't have to go all the way around the horn to get to the top. Yeah, since you get the emoji keyboard, then you can go back to selecting it. That, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I I had a a, a kind of similar tip on Mac stories. Uh, I think last week my my tip was a bit different. Uh, I I said that if you find yourself using uh, a third party keyboard, maybe you have several keyboards installed. But maybe you're using one of them all the time. So maybe you have Swipe and Swift key, but you're using Texas Panda all the time. So my tip was to keep uh, the most used one at the bottom of the list. So when you tap the globe icon to switch back, um, you're instantly taken back to the top of the list. So you don't have to cycle through all your keyboards that you have. And, and I do think keyboards are one of those things where we're definitely going to, six months from now, going to not have six keyboards on our, on our yeah. things. It's, yeah. Right now, all of us geeks are trying them all just to see what, you know, what it's like. <laughs> but I, I know myself, probably within a month, I'm going to have it down to two or three. It's not going to be, yeah. be crazy. Texas Expander is going to yeah, stay. definitely it's for me too, good, yeah. because I, I am so invested with text expander snippets, but I may keep a swipe keyboard on. We'll see. I mean, I did it on just for giggles. I put it on my iPad and that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense on an iPad, but, uh, it was fun trying it. Um, the, um, 
uh, we've got some more to talk about with automation and there's specific apps. And I, and I do want to get back to launch center pro and drafts and some of these other items, but before we do so, Katie, would you like to talk about our exclusive sponsor? I would like to talk about them. And again, we do want to thank Smile for being our exclusive sponsor for this episode. And I want to talk a little bit about PDF Pen for the iPad. And David told you a little bit about PDF Pen for the Mac. But I have been using PDF Pen quite a bit on my iPad recently uh, to help with studying. You know, one of the things that, that I have to do, and, you know, David, I know you told me about this, but sometimes I don't always listen to you. Sometimes I have to figure these things out the hard way for myself. But I've been loading up PDFs on my iPad, and I can either pull them out of Dropbox or I can pull them out of Evernote or I can pull them out of my iCloud account and I because PDF pen for iPad will will sync up with all kinds of different uh, cloud services including all the ones I mentioned and more and I've been pulling it up and I can read them and I've also got this great um, Evernote uh, stylus that uh, PDF Pen will sync up with and turn on. And I can go through and I can highlight and I can annotate and I can mark up things with it. So uh, PDF Pen for iPad has really allowed me to stay paperless, both in my school workflows, uh, but also keep me from from having to carry uh, additional textbooks or keep me from from having to carry additional casebooks. I just download in PDF form the, the cases that I know that we're going to be covering any particular week, uh, save them off to Evernote, save them off to my Dropbox. Uh, when I'm ready to sit down and read them, I'll get a comfy chair and I'll get my Evernote stylus and I'll, I'll read them and I'll highlight them and I'll make notes and annotate things. Um, and then I've got them saved. And I don't always take my iPad with me to class. In fact, most of the time I don't. And the beauty about that is it's all synced up with the cloud service so I can pull them right back up in PDF pen for Mac, which I've got on my computer because everything syncs together. And take off right where I right where I left off in reviewing things. But it does a lot more than that. I mean, I've always used PDF Pen uh, as my main PDF editor and viewer, even before I was a student, because you can do things like um, sign your name to documents. You can make quick fixes on documents. Um, so for example, um, David can email me a, a contract for something that we're working on for Mac Power users. And even if I'm not around my Mac, I can open it up in PDF Pen. I've got my signature saved in PDF Pen. I can drop it on and immediately email it right back to him. Um, all of my documents are, are OCR'd because I use uh, David's nifty script that I've, I've modified back on my Mac. And so by the time I open them on PDF Pen, I can copy and paste or edit and tweak text out. Um, and it just, it really allows you to do almost all of the features that you can do with PDF pen on the Mac um, and be completely mobile with them. And, you know, David, I believe that there's some videos on the Smiles website from this, this guy who likes to make these, these wacky little videos about how you can use PDF pen on iPad. Yeah, I think there's a few. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, someone went crazy. So uh, check it out. Uh, you can check out the video tutorials to see if it's something that's interested in you. Not only is there PDF Pen for iPad, which is available for fourteen ninety nine, um, but there's also an iPhone version. So if you really want PDF Pen in your pocket, um, either for any size iPhone, really, to all depending on how big your pocket may be, uh, you can also pick up PDF Pen for iPhone as well for four ninety nine. Um, so go check it out at their websites at smilesoftware.com. Take a look at the videos that David made for them and see if you think it might be something for you. Uh, and if so, you can grab it from the the App Store. And again, thanks to Smile for being our exclusive sponsor for this episode. Federico, I want to talk about this this app that's not. A, I think we're okay, I think we're okay talking about it because they have a website. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, and they have a video. Yeah, so so it's called Workflows. Is it work? Uh, I workflow? think that's workflow. Workflow. I think we should talk to somebody workflow. about that, David. 
Why? Why is that, Katie? That's our name. That's not our name. That's our name. I, I, actually, I I first heard the word workflow from photographer friends, and I thought it was such a good. So I stole it from photographers. Oh, all right. Well, then maybe not. Yeah. Anyway, but it's called workflow, and it's I I'm in the beta, and I know they're working hard on it. And it's going to be out probably pretty soon. Maybe by the time the show airs. Um, have you heard anything about his release date? Uh, should be very, very soon. Yeah. I think. So the, if, if Apple, yeah, the Apple gods are okay with <laughs> exactly. this. That, you know, that's a distinct question because it is a great app. It, 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 I think what I'd like to call it is automator for the iPad yeah. and the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. And the way it works is you've got, um, you, you open it up. It's an independent application. It's not a notification center widget just for people that are listening at Apple. And um, you can create a workflow. And it's got all of these tools just like Automator does. And you can choose from them. Like you can say, pick a file and then upload that file to Dropbox and then send a text message with it. And it's, yeah. you know, it, it's it's really the kind of automation that that we were bemoaning a few minutes ago. It's putting it all in one application and it's going to be on the iPhone and the iPad. And we'll put a uh, link to the, the demonstration video in the show notes, but we're recording this actually a week early. So it may be out by the time the show, the show publishes. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's impressive because of all these actions that they give you uh, and that they give to the users and they, they're like, now create whatever you want. So you can, you can, like you said, you can pick a file and then maybe you don't want to upload the file. Maybe you just want to quick look the file and maybe turn it into a PDF. And you can do that because you can, you have all these ingredients and you can come up with your own recipes. And, and it's amazing because the kind of flexibility that, that, that you have and it's very much inspired by Automator on, on OS ten, but I like that it doesn't try to be a copy of Automator. It's it's its own thing on iOS, and it has a bunch of iOS only features, so it can integrate with Maps or with a, with a, with a flashlight on your device, or uh, you, you can interact with with other apps such as Google Maps or the Calendar. So it's it's inspired by automation on OS ten. Uh, but it's also very unique to iOS, and and I think it's a great mix. And and I know the developers have been trying, have been working really hard on the the engine that powers all the this app. And I hope that you know, I hope that that it's that Apple approves it very soon. You know, we're seeing a lot of apps coming out now that uh, Apple probably would have never approved. I mean, I I know that workflow hasn't been approved yet and I, I certainly hope that it will be, but but Transmit just came out for for iOS by Panic. Who would have ever thought that we would have had a true FTP client on iOS? I don't I I found that surprising. Yeah, and especially especially because uh, it's crazy to me that you can use Transmit as a sort of file system on iOS, uh, because besides letting you connect to uh, remote servers, whether they're FTP or SFTP or web dev, um, it has a, a native local documents uh, feature. And thanks to 
to support for extensions and document uh, and, uh, and the document picker, you can bring up transmit in any app that has an extension or that has a document picker. So it really removes the friction of being able to save files to transmit or to be able to get files from the app. And it's not, it's not like having a finder on iOS, but it, it's starting to get really close. And I, and, I, and I guess that part of it is thanks to iCloud Drive, thanks to Apple's design for the document picker, but the fact that developers can take advantage of these features and we have stuff like Transmit now on iOS 8 is, is amazing because I guess it, it would have been possible on iOS 7, but it's so much better thanks to iOS 8. Yeah, and you know, you're not seeing the document picker used as much as I expected we would have. But I suspect that's just because we're early days and developers are still figuring it out. Yeah, I, I had a, uh, an article today. Um, I tried all these new document uh, pickers, uh, features from uh, PDF Expert and um, documents from Riddle and also uh, Transmit got an update uh, with uh, better iCloud Drive integration. And I ran into all sorts of bugs and inconsistencies. I couldn't uh, press... I, I Perhaps I could move a file from PDF Expert to documents but i couldn't do the same with transmit or i could upload the file for, to transmit from the photos app but i couldn't from dropbox so there are still i i guess that the problem is twofold it's one is developers they need more time to test all these new features the second problem i guess it's the ios 8 sdk still has a few bugs and and problems that developers uh, simply cannot fix so i, I think that time will 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 fix things for yeah, us. And, you know, I'm willing to give them a little bit of a pass on this because yeah. iOS 8 adds all these features that require third-party developers to implement. And it, you know, I was in the beta too, and these things just weren't getting tested in the beta because the <laughs> app developers were too busy writing the implementations of these, and a lot of them haven't even finished them yet. So as this stuff starts to surface it's you know, we're finding where the problems are and I do think they're going to get that sorted out. But when they do the ability to move between different cloud-based document sources is a huge win for us on iOS. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, we kind of jumped over workflow. I just wanted to go a little bit more uh, with the stuff we can do with this application. Um, you can, it's an application, you know, you can open an app, you can use clipboard contents. It's got a feature to scan uh, QR codes and and barcodes. You know, it's just like got all these tools. And I, and I think that's what uh, Federico was talking about. In some ways, it's better than Automator because it's using things that you can only do with a mobile device that your Mac, you know, that wouldn't be an Automator. Uh, that would not be an Automator script to scan a QR code. But it makes perfect sense in this workflow app. Even the sample, when you get it, the sample is to create an animated GIF. It says, okay, take four pictures of yourself, and then it's going to turn it into an animated GIF and, and text it to your friend or put it up on Twitter or whatever. And in, in some ways, I think it's even more useful than Automator because one of the problems with Automator is people don't know what to do with it. You know, And 
They say, okay, Dave, you taught me how to resize images, but I don't do that very often. What else can I do with it? And I always have to stop and think for a minute what I'm going to tell them next. And this stuff is a lot more user-friendly. It's almost like a toy in a good way where, you know, you can start stringing things together and having fun with it. And before you know it, you're creating the kind of stuff that Federico had to learn Python to do before. <laughs> yeah. So my, my favorite um, workflow that I have in the app is... Uh, one that basically, um, it gives me a list of my upcoming calendar events. And from that list, I can choose an event. And if the event has a, an address, as a location field, um, workflow shows me a preview uh, of uh, the Google Street View <laughs> image of that address. I can confirm that that's the location that I need. And then when I tap down, the directions for that location are loaded into the Google Maps app. Yeah. So with one scene, it's really uh, seven actions. And with, with seven actions, I can do what was basically, I wouldn't say impossible, but really, really complex with Python. And now it's seven actions. I can, there's a menus and, and toggles that I can tap. I don't have to write a script. It's a visual interface. And it's amazing because it's a practical implementation of the iOS calendar, Google Street View integration, Quick Look, because Quick Look shows me the preview of the location, and the Google app that I have installed. If I don't want to use the Google Maps app for uh, navigation, I can use Apple Maps. And really, workflow is a... I hope that, um, that Apple approves it because it's really... I think it fits with the underlying theme of iOS 8 so, so well. Because I, I think that iOS 8 is all about letting users customize their experience and letting users personalize their device, not just from a, from a, a visual perspective, because that was iOS 7. I think from a practical perspective, iOS 8 is about letting you decide what kind of feature you want to use on your iPhone or iPad. And I think that Workflow is, the, is a great example of that, of that idea. Because all these actions, they are native to iOS. They, the app, this app doesn't uh, use private APIs or you know stuff that Apple doesn't like. It's all native code happening on your device um, with the same privacy permissions that you use in any, any other app that wants to access your photos or your location or your calendar. It's all native and it's all customizable. You can, you can use extensions with this. You can integrate workflow in Safari or other apps. And, it, and it's really, and it's made by, by teenagers, I think, uh, which is even more impressive. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, yeah. Uh, can you imagine these guys? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. I hope that, that it's out soon on the app store. I, I cannot, uh, it's, it's such a great demo yeah. of iOS 8. We may it's have to have you come back and, and talk about it a little bit once it, once it actually, <laughs> yeah, once it actually gets, gets released and, and out there. So this, this app to me is like, you know, the first time I launched drafts and I want to talk about that next and I'm sorry, Katie, we're going a little long, but that's cool. Well, Everybody know. just hang in there with us. This is worth it. Um, first time I launched drafts, it's like my head exploded in terms of, you know, wow, all of a sudden there's all these things I can do on iOS that I couldn't do before, or I couldn't have done easily before. 
and and workflow had the exact same experience for me when I opened it and I saw all these tools and it's in beta and they're still adding things. And every time I get an update, there's more, there's more, you know, toys to play with. All right. I, I, I'm going to have to stop you there. Cause you guys are going on and on and on about an app. That's not even available for any of our listeners to, to play I know, with. It's going to be soon though. I just want to get people uh, excited. Okay. And, and you know, hopefully, well, either way, it, it, this, this needs to see the light of day and, and we're going to be talking about it in the future. Now, let's move to drafts. Because let's let's talk about what the original purpose of this episode was when we yeah when an we hour and a half in. Believe it or not. <laughs> well, the, the thing everything changed, and I you know I felt like we needed to cover iOS eight, but the um, but drafts and Launch Center Pro are you know the grandfathered um, uh, automation apps on iOS, and and where do they fit now that we've had this kind of upheaval? And I think actually they both still really nicely fit in the system drafts is still in my dock and and it's really uh you know greg uh over at agile tortoise is 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 not sitting on his laurels i mean he's coming up with a new version that's really quite remarkable and it's not out yet but he's got his github public showing all the changes so we can talk about some of the things uh drafts as we've talked about before in the show is the app that has a really simple concept you tap the app and it opens up and you can start putting text in immediately and as simple as that sounds, it's it's really game changing because you can immediately start capturing things. If you're thinking about something, you can hit the little Siri microphone and start dictating into it, or you can use your fancy swipe keyboard and, and swipe text in. But it captures this text really quick. And then the magic of drafts is it used all these URL schemes to do amazing things with that stuff. Well, now drafts is going to be taking advantage of iOS 8 and using the iOS 8 automation stuff, all the stuff we've been talking about for the last hour and a half, basically, and add that power to drafts as well. And uh, the new version isn't out yet. You can still get the old version, I believe, but uh, it really is going to continue to be an essential tool for me. And it's not even a question in my mind that I'll be using drafts into the future. For me, it's, a, it's impressive that Greg uh, Pierce, the developer of drafts, managed to to improve the app so much and add all this new powerful functionality without compromising the original idea of drafts. That is that you need to launch the app and start typing. Because it's easy to lose track of the of the of the essence of an app when you begin to when you begin to add all these features and power user stuff. Uh, because drafts, uh, the new version has plenty of power user changes, uh, but you can still use the app without having to mess with JavaScript, without having to do any URL schemes, and because it's always the same drafts. If, however, you want to to play around with the, with the power user additions, it's, I think the upcoming release uh, is, is amazing, um, especially in the way that Greg um, managed to abstract the URL schemes um, as much as possible to let you connect different actions and different apps together without having to type. A single a single URL into the app, and there's so again drafts is like many other apps on iOS eight is all about customization and letting you letting you choose the kind of experience that you want. So there's a there's a feature that I really want to learn. Uh, you you can create your own keyboard buttons to your own keys on top of the system keyboard to perform specific actions, and you can create these keys by using JavaScript. 
So it's 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 really amazing, and uh, I realized that we talked about you know uh, on iOS eight not having to learn uh, programming anymore. But for drafts, I may make an exception. <laughs> but you don't need to learn programming to make drafts very to useful to you because it it's got a lot of those you know these sharing functions built into it. So once you've added your text in this application, and it's universal by the way when this when this new version comes out, so you're going to have it on your iPad and your iPhone. It shares the text over iCloud or other syncing mechanisms, so it's everywhere, and then you can just have it. And like one of the common uses I do for drafts is just brainstorming as I'm thinking of things I want to do and they may ultimately become an omnifocus task or an email or a note or a byword essay that I'm going to publish on the website but all this stuff just starts in drafts and you know that simple functionality that Federico was talking about you tap one icon and then you start putting text in it's golden and and I really do like that that Greg has embraced iOS 8 and he's not letting the, this increased automation throughout the operating system, you know, make his app obsolete, but in fact, just making his app like that much better. So that one I think is going to be around. Do you think, David, that uh, the best stuff, uh, the best apps for iOS 8 are coming out with this uh, second wave of launches? Because it seems to me that we're getting the, the most uh, powerful apps now that, that iOS 8 has been out for, you know, at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that there's a lot to happen in the next coming months. Yeah, I cannot wait for to see what developers come up with. Especially if Apple does a, an iOS 8.1 release, you know, with many, many fixes. <laughs> yeah, you know, as, the, uh, as we see where things are breaking with the sharing and some of these um, extensions, I'm sure Apple's going to fix it, and I'm sure app developers are going to get a better idea of what they can and can't do. And I hope that Apple doesn't limit this too much. I, I'm really disappointed with the limitations we discussed earlier in the show, and I hope that doesn't get worse. Um, but as we learn more, I think we're going to see some great stuff. And, you know, these these uh, second and third generation apps that are taking advantage of this stuff is going to make our lives a lot easier. Well, is there is there still a place um, for some of these these older apps? I, I know it sounds like Draft still has a has a place near and dear to your heart, especially uh, with the new version that's coming out. Um, but what about what about apps like Launch Center Pro? I, I I find that that's an app that you know I've I've always struggled to really find a place in, and I know Federico, you were a big user of Launch Center Pro before, um, and now now with iOS eight, I'm I'm really struggling to figure out exactly where that fits in. Well, it has a much better place now that Apple's not letting Launcher live. Well, that's, that's <laughs> probably <laughs> true. <laughs> See, that's uh, since you guys asked me to do this episode, I've been thinking so much about, about this question. And I, I was wondering, in the age of extensions and in the age of keyboards and widgets, is there still a place for a grid of icons? Uh, and I thought about this, and, uh, and I think that it comes down to, to the point that, that I made initially about the different kinds of automation that we're looking for. I think that people that were that used to rely on Launch Center Pro for simple tasks or for those kinds of workflows that are now better with extensions, I think that those simpler use cases, they are better now with different iOS 8 features, whether it's a widget to let you uh, 
send the clipboard to Safari or whether it's, uh, it's the clips uh, widget, an extension to save text instead of using a bookmarklet and Lonsign Pro. I think that for simple use cases, for simple features, that kind of simple automation is better with extensions and with all these iOS 8 features. The other type of, of automation, the more, the more complex kind, you know, but chaining multiple apps together, creating workflows, not because, not because you want to prove a point, but because you need to speed up a task that is too boring if used with multiple apps or even with extensions. It depends on the kind of, on the kind of features that contrast brings to launch Runner pro, uh, because, uh, let, let me let me make an example. Um, in the in in the in an update to the to the action composer, which is the the little window that lets you create shortcuts in Lancer Pro, um, a couple of days ago, the developers added all these new Evernote actions, and these Evernote actions let, uh, allow you to open Evernote in a specific mode and to send text to Evernote. So you can add an action to Lancerna Pro to send uh, text to a new note in Evernote. Now, on iOS 8, we have the Evernote widget that, that allows us to open the Evernote app directly, directly into a specific mode, whether you want to create a new text note or whether you want to add a new image or whether you want to save a new list to your Evernote account. And we got the extension that allows us to save a web page or a PDF document or an image directly to Evernote. So I'm struggling to find a use case for these new Evernote actions in Lancernet Pro. But I'm also thinking about would I use Lancernet Pro more on iOS 8 if Contrast found a way to automate these iOS 8 features? And again, for me, it's, it's a question of the two types of automation that I was doing. Uh, the simple kind, I think it is being replaced by iOS 8 and by all these widgets and extensions and keyboards. And the document picker is also, is also a big thing because I don't have to set up workflows for documents anymore. But the complex automation, um, the one that I used to, to do image processing on iOS with Python scripts or you know, the, the kind of automation, even in Lonsternet Pro, I have actions to, for instance, to look up a specific album in Beats Music. So I have multiple shortcuts that use the Beats Music URL schemes, and I can show a custom interface. It's a complex action. Yeah. So the kind of complex automation, I think it, it is going to stay, because there's still... There are going to be new types of automation on iOS 8, but it, it depends on whether Lonsternet Pro can adapt to this, new, to this new era of iOS and whether they can integrate with extensions, whether they can integrate with the document picker. I mean, we're seeing workflow, um, at least, David, you and I are seeing workflow um, and all these, uh, these native iOS 8 integrations. And I think that the, the concept and the design of Lonsternet Pro with this grid of icons, it could fit with iOS 8, but it really depends and it needs an update. Yeah, and, you know, the people behind it are pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just like Greg at, at Agile Tortoise with drafts is really evolving his application to 
take advantage of this stuff, I suspect that we're going to see some interesting developments from Launch Center Pro, too. I think if Apple sticks to its guns and really keeps apps like Launcher out of the notification center, um, then that even keeps Launch Center Pro around for some of the simpler ideas. Um, so I guess we'll see. But that one, I know, Katie, you've never really got into it. I, I got into it, but not nearly as much as, as Federico has. But boy, Drafts to me is so essential. It's you know, like I said, it's in my dock. It's just one of those apps that I don't think I could get by without. So I'm well, very I'll, excited to see where, where all this, this goes though. Yeah. I'll tell you, I never really got into launch center pro, but what I have really taken to is their, their new app called contact center, which is basically a light version of launch center pro. But instead of, um, you know, having all of these actions that you can do with different types of apps, it focuses specifically on what types of actions can you do with your contacts. And in fact, that has replaced the phone icon in my dock for me. And so, for example, with Contact Center, I've got a grid of icons that represent contact related tasks from call a number or search for a contact and call them. And then I've got contact related tasks. Oops, I just called my family. Um to 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 call my parents' house, uh, you know, quick notification, or um, for my brother, I can tap on him and it will give me options to. It will open a subscreen to, you know, call his mobile to send him an email to text him a few select messages, and I've got that with a couple of key people, and including you, David, um, or to call my office or to send a text message to a specific group of people, and. Like I said, that has actually replaced the phone app in my dock. It's it's on the far left side of my dock because that's what I use now rather than the phone dialer. So I think these, these types of apps do have a place, um, but it's just different now. You know, I'm so excited about this stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I really am. I saw that um, Ole, the guy that makes Pythonista an editorial, yeah. is, yeah, this is crazy, is basically... He, he, I think he's working on a Python module, which is uh, basically uh, a collection of techniques to use in, in, in Python. Basically to combine Python with extensions and to, to yes. <laughs> and to, basically, I think from the screenshots that he shared on Twitter, he's working on a way to enable you to create your own extension with Python. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's whatever you want to do. Now yes. it's in your extension menu. Yeah. And, it's going to be and, crazy. And the way Ole works, it's going to be shareable. So you don't even need to know Python. You're going to be able to go take Federico's script or Brett Terpstra's script and just put it on your phone. And you just installed a little bit of Terpstra on your phone. <laughs> Think about yeah. that. I want a little bit of Terpstra on my phone. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting times federico thank you so much for coming thank on the show i uh i i am um, you know there are definitely bugs and issues but and we're early days and and we've kind of done the trifecta of ios 8 shows now we did the the overview of the developers and now we've had federico about automation so uh i, I hope that 
doesn't tire our listeners, but I would say that I, I'm very excited about this and it's a reflection of that. So if you've got iOS 8 installed, go try some of these things we've talked about, download some of these apps, support these developers and just get faster at your phone and iPad. It, it's, it really is a delightful once you start doing this stuff. Uh, everybody go find Federico over at Mac stories, go watch his website. Cause you're going to learn a lot and, and connected. And I forget what's the name of the video game podcast virtual. again, <laughs> virtual, uh, they're just great stuff. And if nothing else, you get to listen to that pleasant accent. I, I, you know, you were talking about your calories app. I, I would have like, if I lived in Italy, I would have like 4,000 calories just oh, on there yeah, every day. It's a, it's a problem. Trust me. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but the, uh, it's, it's wonderful. And then on Twitter, you are, I think it's Vitici, right? Yes. At Vitici. V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Did I get that right? C-C-I. Yes. Yeah. And um, Katie is at Katie Floyd. I'm at Mac Sparky, and uh, Mac Power Users are at Mac are at Mac Power Users on Twitter. Uh, Katie, where do you find the show notes? Well, we talked about a lot this episode. Hopefully, we'll have links to most of these things for you in the show notes at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Uh, you can also find links on those sites to send us an email, uh, or you can just send us an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com, and that will come to both David and I. So, Federico, thank you again for joining us. Uh, this has been a great show, and I, I think we'll probably wrap up our iOS 8 coverage for a little while, and, and we'll probably talk about it again soon. Um, and thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.